you know, I, as an astrologer, found a great deal of clarity and um, really empowerment when I, I really started to understand this vastly deep subject of astrology. And I, I don't ever think I'm going to be some master astrologer or, and that's not my intentions, right? Uh, I think one of the beautiful things about astrology for me is that it, it, it does require a little bit of uh, an understanding of psychology and um, kind of like sociology and human behavior in, in many different ways. It's very multifaceted. And I, as an astrologer, where I kind of come in, I think where my role is in all of this is not to be some magnificent, you know, teacher who has, uh, who can predict everything and see your, your past, present, and future. But I, I see it in, from a stance of like, man, if our society could just consider this and then really restore it to a, a very respectful and rightful place, it would, it would change the world. Uh, for example, instead of um, taking the precious lives of people and then diagnosing people with these odd terms and these, these really um, just out there diagnosis, as an astrologer, I would say, well, because I see Moon, Mars, Saturn together or any, you know, any sort of uh, relationship that I correlate to, that's what it means, you know, uh, moon and cancer. And, and so I think people feel very uh, almost enlightened in a way when you get these, these readings and you go, oh, I'm a, you know, sun in fill in the blank. Or I'm, uh, okay, I have Moon, Mars, and Mercury together. That's why I'm, like, doing this all the time. But what I'm saying is it no longer classifies people with this feeling of, of guilt or shame or alienation. Um, it gives people this, um, this really cool insight into reality. But, you know, there's a, there's a certain field of... Uh, or there's a certain place we got to get to first, I think, collectively before we start to remember these magnificent, uh, these magnificent natural sciences. And um, it's going to take us, you know, figuring that out first before, you know, there's still many people out there that don't believe in it. And there always will be, right? Um, but it's not necessarily our job to say, hey, here's all the reasons why you should believe it, but we're just going to keep living in our reality of why it's awesome, why we love it, and um, to bring in other people that love it too and want to join us. Um, so that's kind of our intro into today's episode. Um, as always, guys, if you're interested to know any more, please check out our websites. Um, we have all kinds of consultations available for you to see what uh, your stars are all about and with that we are launching into another episode of 
Raven's Nest Vedic Astrology Podcast for lovers of astrology and lovers of life with an inquisitive nature. And uh, yeah, I like what you said there. I think uh, what we're trying to do with astrology here is give people tools to empower themselves. The more you know about yourself and the more you understand yourself, the more you can understand other people. If we live in a repetitious cycle of ignorance and uh, prescriptions and uh, diagnoses and we stay trapped in this cycle, we will never be able to become liberated. Uh, I think that's what we're all seeing collectively right now going on in the world. People have broken their own spell. Maybe someone broke the spell for them. Maybe they're realizing, hey, I'm not ADHD. I'm just a really creative person. And I need to live my life the way I need to live my life and not compare myself to other people. We're in an age of information overload, sensory overload, you know, cultural overload. And this is where we have to become the masters of our own reality and also help each other out um, with our gifts and our tools. And I think what we're starting to see now is there's a big interest in astrology, in herbology, in, you know, getting off of the pharmaceutical uh, IV drip. You know, that's the only way I can describe it. And also, you know, the internet is an addiction that people um, don't want you to know about. Why is it that all these uh, tech companies refuse to let their own children uh, have these tools or use technology? Well, it's because they know what they're doing. They know that they're programming you to be addicted to your phone so that you don't look up and see the world around you or see the human in front of you or notice that there's a you know rabbits running across the field they don't want you to engage in your sensory reality of planet earth they want you to get trapped into their virtual reality so that they can put you back into the matrix yeah and and which is why it makes sense to me why astrology is not necessarily in that um that stronghold of a uh, position, right? It's it's not widely known and it's not widely understood, which is oh, and there goes a bunny across our field. <laughs> it's kind of funny, <laughs> uh, but no, it's like it's kind of like if astrology was um, widely understood, well accepted, and and widely used, you know, the reality would reflect that, but we're not there yet and that's and that's okay because this all is in uh a process and we're in the process of that now and so guys welcome again to this episode it's been a while um again this is a vedic astrology podcast we're not your regular western astrologers and if you haven't or don't know about vedic astrology we have a few episodes beforehand that will kind of give a little bit of a, a wraparound of what that's all about. So just go through our lab library. Um, I think a good one would be the, the Nakshatras episode if you are interested in kind of figuring out a real quick synopsis. And uh, some of our very first episodes kind of cover 
Vedic astrology and, and all the differences compared to the Western world. But I'll just say to you that this, it's a little bit more precise, a little bit uh, deeper, I would say. And that's what we'll be elaborating on today, too, with some of today's talk. Yeah, just to uh, round that out, the way you can think about Vedic astrology is uh, where does it come from? What are its roots? It comes from the Vedas. It's an ancient science. It is a legit science, just like you hear about scientists. So when you practice Vedic astrology, you can think about yourself as a scientist because that's what you're doing. You're taking a scientific method and you're using that approach and you're um, applying all these different formulas to get to an answer, which is figuring out either when's the best time to buy a house when's the best time to buy a car should i travel right now um you know is what's a good day for my wedding what's a good day to uh start my new job all these things could be answered uh by you know doing an astrological reading or even just getting like a transit report if you want to know these things, that's why we have chosen this path of Vedic astrology because it's it's a really deep dive into all of the things that we find important, which are yoga, Ayurveda, you know, astronomy, you know, studying the stars, studying our relationships. You know, it's it's kind of got a lot of everything. Uh, so with that, we're going to talk about this episode um, of. Uh, What's our what's our uh, <laughs> what's our topic today? Well, we're kind of covering a lot of um, of July in general, and that's all about cancer. Uh, that seems to be what's really activated right now. Um, I call it the Cancer Capricorn axis activation, um, and that's kind of a and that's because we have Venus Mars in Cancer. And as of today, right now, you have Moon there. And then, of course, Saturn's opposite in Capricorn, all slow-moving Saturn. Um, but So there's a lot of a action in this uh, House of Cancer right now. Just in case you haven't noticed, what does Mars and Venus in Cancer even mean? You know, what is, what is that? And, and why, you know, with the Moon being there, what does that increase? You know, um, when I think about that, a really simplified way to look at that is Venus and Mars, masculine and feminine, mm. Cancer, fourth house. You might be feeling like you're having, you know, if you're in a relationship with somebody and you're living with them, you might be having a wonderful dynamic one minute. And then the next minute you're like, oh, you're so annoying. Can I just have my space? That's kind of what I think of when I think of the dynamic of Mars and Venus and Cancer. It might feel like you want to retreat some moments and be by yourself and just reflect and, you know, just be in your comfort zone because that's very Cancerian. But, you know, Cancers also love to be cuddled by their mates and, you know, in, in that kind of, you know, close encounter you might feel like this is this is really great. I, I don't ever want to be away from this person. So there's going to be that kind of dynamic of, you know, push and pull, I think of when I think of Mars and Cancer and yeah. Venus and Cancer. 
Yeah, definitely. Uh, and I like that what you said about the, the feminine or the masculine and feminine. Um, and this was one thing I noted about this right now is that Cancer Capricorn, if you think about the axis, these are two feminine signs. And then if we took the uh, other cardinal or the other in Vedic astrology, what we call the Kendras, these are uh, the other two Aries and Libra are the masculine signs. Mm. So I, uh, I point that out to note that, yeah, it, it really is a time of uh, that, that Cancerian energy of, of sort of like a, I, I think of the feminine qualities of nurturing and uh, emotional expression. I think it, really it, feeling everything, right? Yeah. And that can be a great outlet for you. And then some people that just, you know, I'm a, I'm a double earth sign. I have sun, I'm a rising and I'm a moon in earth signs. So when I feel emotion, I have to do something with it. I'm either having to, you know, go to an artistic outlet or I'm probably going to try and like run it off like two mile runs because, I, you know, a lot of men feel a certain way about emotions and um, there isn't something uh, it doesn't have to necessarily be uh, over intellectualized. Right. It's just a process of feeling something. But, you know, as we when we think of feeling, we always tend to think it's a, a quality of of the the feminine side um, or that men aren't allowed to feel and i think uh that's why there might be some you know i don't want to say issues but maybe some conflicts with uh, the sexes right now because you know in our society in the past we were taught that men are not allowed to have feelings and if you have emotions and you show emotions that you're weak well now we're in a time where the culture is so extreme you're not even allowed to say that you're a man or a woman. You have to be like, you know, all these genders and pronouns and stuff, which, you know, whatever. But it's just an extreme solution, quote unquote, to a problem. The problem isn't, uh, you know, whether or not, you know, it's bad or good. The issue or the problem is how are you dealing with your emotions? Right. Are you talking about them? Are you working out? You know, uh, are you um, exploring them in your journal? You know, all of those answers are are answers to, you know, the problem. Those are all ways to deal with emotions. And if you just choose to ignore them, it's going to just bubble up and come out in a really ugly way. And I think uh, that's kind of a little bit of what we're dealing with right now with this Mars and Venus and Cancer uh, opposite the Capricorn because Capricorn is such a heavy energy compared to Cancer. It's an earthy, you know, very present, very physical, and Cancer's more intuitive and watery and explorative. And, you know, it's also very malleable when you think about it. So there are various ways to solve problems, I think, during this transit for yourself that are going to be a lot easier to access than you think. Yeah. For sure. Um, a great way that I, I kind of have articulated upon this is that Cancer is the first of the moksha houses, the original moksha houses. So uh, numbers 4, 8, and 12, Cancer, Scorpio, and Pisces. And I think perhaps Cancer can be one of the more, more easygoing of the moksha houses. Um, because when I consider 
and by moksha, again, this would be a, a topic we can go hours about <laughs> in the lifetime about to get to, but moksha is liberation and um, sort of like a path of enlightenment that, uh, you know, many uh, wise teachers embark on to achieve. Um, but as these three signs are moksha, uh, I, I tend to think cancer is more of the um, nurturing, preserving, and home-bodied of the mokshas. Scorpio and Pisces. Scorpio, I tend to feel like there is some uh, deep analytical and psychological type of and even alchemical uh themes that play out which can get really uh it can make you go cross-eyed and then pisces of course is like the deep ocean in in symbology and uh also in in the original 12th house it has to do with seclusion isolation and places of distant isolated quality such as ashrams uh, asylums and hospitals so you know that alone can tell you something about um, that sign, but you see, cancer has this this quality of being almost so protective and caring and and, and nurturing, right? But what we're going to be discussing as well is Ashlesha, which is a prominent nakshatra within the sign of Cancer, and it's quite interesting how different Ashlesha can sound to the, the sign of Cancer as a whole. You know, you have in Western world, Cancer the Crab, and they, they give you kind of a description that I just did, but when we talk about Ashlesha now, it's like there's a little bit of a, a dynamic that changes, and this is why if you are a Cancer and you actually don't feel very Cancer-like, this is probably why. You could be an Ashlesha. You could be... Uh, you might have planets in all three of the nakshatras that go through Cancer. Uh, it's Punarvasu, Pushya, and Ashlesha. But let's go ahead and talk some about Ashlesha and what that's all about. Uh, well, I have some notes here about Ashlesha. I really find this to be um, a really interesting uh, placement for Cancer. Uh, this is the more what I would say alchemical, mystical, occult cancer. This is the cancer that doesn't feel like a cancer. This is the person that is, um, you know, they are using the occult to maybe um, make their way in life. Maybe they have a, an astrologer or a tarot card reader that they've, you know, take information from or you know when they have a big decision they consult their oracle this is ashlesha it's the symbol is the serpents and also a coiled snake or uh you know the caduceus which is the symbol of the medical uh community but it was originally taken from the staff of hermes which takes it back to the occult roots and these people are um you know they're into poison they're into medicine, they're into chemicals, they're into drugs, they're into all these kinds of things either to heal themselves or maybe they have a problem with these substances. Mm -hmm. uh, this is something that um, 
I've seen a lot written about uh, this nakshatra. They're an outcast, and they're they're a, a rakshasa, which some people say is a demon, but that's not a really good way to describe it. Rakshasas are the people that will do anything to get their way, and that's either good or bad. Uh, yeah, so these are also people that um, are pretty mysterious and uh, someone described them as the masters of disguise. These are your people that are into body modification, tattoos, piercing. You know that person that changes their hair color quite often? They are probably an Ashlesha, someone whose style you can't quite pin down. They probably have a prominent planet in Ashlesha. Maybe they even have Venus in Ashlesha. Uh, maybe that's their career. Uh, these are people that, you know, um, maybe like snakes. And it's often said that if you see a snake um, during a transit of Ashlesha, it's considered a, an omen of uh, good fortune. So that's yeah. something really As long often. as you don't try and kill it. Right, right. right. <laughs> I mean, we just saw a snake on our walk the other day, and it was funny how we both reacted. Yeah. You got protective, and I got like, oh, cool, a snake. Yeah. So, you I know, jumped. <laughs> <laughs> and, and we all have those kinds of moments where we were kind of unsure about the snakes. And I think that's how a lot of people feel about this nakshatra. They're like, are they trying to manipulate me, or are they just really trying to? teach me something that I don't know about. And they're really good at convincing you that you need to know this. Yeah. That's one of their uh, talents, right? Yeah. And it's that like misconstrued view of a snake and, you know, people will call other people snakes, but in reality, when you know the deeper sciences of life and spirituality, the snakes are connected to the serpent bears of knowledge, right? Yeah. They were, um, if you, look at pictures of the Vedic deities, Vishnu's on, it's not a couch, it's a snake. And that's Adi Sesa. And that's also connected to this nakshatra. The snakes protect the gods. They become the beds for the gods. They become the umbrellas for the gods. And, and this nakshatra is a half human, half snake. So these people are tapped into the divine nature of reality but they still have a very earthly presence and you know they have maybe they're fascinated with like the ground and the earth and the underground these are kind of themes and the environment these are also all themes related to ashlesha um because in the lore of the nagas and of this nakshatra the serpents lived underground in Nagaloka. And what was in Nagaloka? The most beautiful people, gems, gold, treasures. So you might see, go to someone's house and see that their house is quite beautiful. And it's like, there's parts of it that look like a museum with all these exotic and glittering things. They might have Ashlesha Nakshatra. I mean, you might even be doing this yourself right now. You might feel like you want to, you know, bring all these exotic glittery things or buy gems right now. It's probably because you're feeling the energy of this transit and you want to beautify and make your fourth house, your actual physical home, 
something more beautiful and comfortable for yourself. Yeah, for sure. I mean, perhaps people that have this or even the science stuff in the sign of Capricorn because it's opposite of Schleicher, they could be interested in snakes or actually be people that uh, have pet snakes. It's actually, we've seen it. So it's a, it's a pretty amazing um, depth and dimension to Vedic astrology that we can see. Um, and yeah, we, so Mars and Venus are going to only be in Ashlesia until Venus will be there till July 16th. And then Mars will be there until July 20th. Um, and then that's when a lot of Leo energy will kick in. So that's, that's towards, you know, this latter portion of July. And then of course, August will have a, plenty of information about the, the nakshatras and Leo and how all the planets are now in affecting Leo. But uh, a great way that I find to kind of also think of this, these transits is when I, when I think of all this, uh, this energy of this cancer Capricorn axis, I, I always feel like it's a time frame where you're like going through that, that alchemical phase of Ashlesha to tra to uh, transmute your emotions and you're, you're processing all these emotions. And then when this transit occurs in Leo, it's almost like, boom, here we go. I'm expressing it how I've been working the past month with all of this uh, somewhat muddled emotional energy. Now it's ready to just burst out of me with some sort of, uh, you know, creativity, you know, so that there is a procession of the signs, if you will. And, and these nakshatras really give us the, the insight of what it can be about. Um, but as of right now, sun is in Punarvasu until July 19th. And then it'll be in Pushya July 19th to August 2nd. And then sun will have its turn in Ashlesha as well around early August of the second and then till the 16th of August. Um, so we're going to be in this cancer home energy for a while. So, you know, as you experience this energy, you know, from day to day, week to week, month to month, just know that it always repeats itself. It always will give you another chance to feel it out and correct or modify things that you've noticed, uh, we're not working for you or we're working for you. But something really interesting about this nakshatra is these people and, and also this energy can make you feel like you want to be really independent and really want to explore the world. Or you just want to be home because you love your home. You think your home is beautiful and it's like maybe you just got this place and you finally have it furnished and it's like taking you months and months and months, you know, to build it up. And then here it is, you're just in it now. And now you can just do your work from home. And it's also a time to maybe um, explore yoga because it's connected to Adi Sesa and that's the man snake. And when I think about that, it's Patanjali who gave us the yoga sutras and Patanjali is related to Iyengar yoga. So if you have ever done Iyengar yoga, you understand that it's a physical body practice. So there it is, taking it back to that opposite nakshatra of Capricorn, you know, being in that earth element, 
experiencing the physical body, but also transmuting all those energies that might be like your emotional overload. And if you've done yoga, you understand when you're in a pose, it's not just about like standing in a pose and like perfecting it. The more you're in a pose, like let's say you do it for like a minute and you just tune into what's happening, you'll start to feel your mind racing and you'll start thinking about a whole bunch of things that have nothing to do with yoga. And that's kind of a little bit of an experience of what this energy might give you. Your mind might start to get overloaded and you just have to figure out a way to give yourself that outlet to just move past that. You know, maybe you're into meditation. This is a great time to try it if you've never done a meditation. It doesn't have to be complex. Just sit down, close your eyes, maybe sit against the wall and see what happens. And you can do it for one minute. You could do it for 20 minutes. And then you might get the answer that you've been looking for just from sitting and watching your emotions and not letting them get the best of you, right? Yeah, for sure. And it is a common commonality to see with Mars actually being debilitated in Cancer that there can be a bit of sluggishness in it. Almost like a, I think there's like a desire to just kind of want to, uh, I'm going to stay in today or I'm going to sleep in a little bit longer. These type of things can come about because Mars just doesn't necessarily get that push forward like it would in, let's say, like a fire sign like Aries or Leo. It's it's a little more, you know, Mars will just kind of take the easy route sometimes, but it doesn't have to be easy. But like you said, it doesn't have to be, okay, since you didn't go down to work, you're definitely, you shouldn't waste five hours that day watching Netflix, you should try meditating or try yoga in the house or uh, listen to Raymond's Nest Vedic Astrology Podcast. These are kind of ways that we can all uh, grow through it. And it's important to note that uh, Michael Jordan had Mars debilitated in cancer. And so... (laughs) And look what he did. I mean, you're looking at an example that defied... I mean, he defied a lot of odds, but in the astrological sense, he did do that as well um but this is also to take into consideration that there's many other combinations and yogas and divisional charts in vedic astrology that can show that okay maybe mars isn't that bad after all you know and this was a case for him um and this is why you need a professional astrologer to, to really look into the 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 cracks and give you the the details of what's happening Yeah, I agree with that. But you know, what's really interesting is, you know, if you, let's say you look at your chart, like, you know, when I was starting out, I was looking at my chart and somebody told me, oh my God, your moon placement, that is the worst placement I've ever seen. And it really affected me. And I thought, I got to look more into this. And then I started to read more about it. I was like, hey, this isn't so bad. But, you know, if you don't have the experience, you can take it and really like take it to heart and it can affect you. You know, you can look at all of these different things and say like, you know, maybe you have your Mars in Cancer and you're like, oh my gosh, my Mars has debilitated. I'm never going to be able to do anything. You know, that's why having someone that actually does this professionally that you trust, and I say stress that, that you trust, very important. You have to, you know, treat your astrologer like your doctor. You have to think about them and trust them and observe, you know, and like what they're doing with their life 
and make sure that that kind of resonates with your life. There. <laughs> that little background noise was uh, our dog dreaming in the background. He was literally going. <laughs> uh, but yeah back to uh so where i was going with that was you know if you see that you have a debilitated planet don't panic because an astrology reading can help you understand how that planet's working and from what i've seen and what i've you know come across in my studies a debilitated planet might actually do better than an exalted planet because if you put in the work like he did that's Mars, putting in the work, physical body, training, that warrior energy. If you are told constantly you can't do it and you're like, no, yes, I can. Yes, I can. You're like that debilitated planet. There's an act of transcendence, right? Right. So don't panic if you have debilitated planets. It does not mean that you cannot achieve your goals. It might actually mean that you can achieve your goals and go further than other people. So... Make sure that when you're looking at your chart, you have all of the answers before you start panicking or, you know, thinking that you can't do something because astrology is not about telling people that they have a debilitated planet or that they can't do their dream job. It's about finding solutions on how to apply your skills and your, all of your talents in a way that can make you achieve your goals exactly and it kind of brings me to that um i'm, I'm i kind of think of it as a meme but it's also just a uh understanding of sociology and you know human behavior and it's that we do have like an emotional intelligence and some would argue that an emotional intelligence is more important if not greater than your actual like iq and I would probably argue that it's true because when you study people and as an astrologer, you do this and I've been doing it for at least for two years now, uh, you, you do see how emotion stirs in people and emotion is so interesting as a, uh, when you study it from a, like a pathological standpoint, because it, you, you do notice how people respond. Um, and that's what this transit has, has kind of made me think about is despite your emotional factors and how you're triggered, it's, it is about how you respond. Um, I've heard many people say it's like, don't react, respond. And there is some t truth to that, um, but it's, it's powerful how emotion can, it's a trigger. Emotions do trigger us, but it's what is it triggering you know um for many people it's a it's a tantrum that it can occur uh you'll see people just go off on bouts or um, maybe people start breaking things but then there's there's people that can be triggered by it in really powerful ways you know it can inspire people to channel a song that you know if it wasn't for that trigger of emotion they they wouldn't have created such a beautiful art piece or and the same thing goes for anything that uh you know people can create so that's just a me coming from the place of seeing this water energy and so you know this transit's happening for everybody 
somewhere in their chart, but it's still going to be water no matter, uh, you know, what sign they are. It's, it's the water activation. So the element, um, becomes pretty, pretty strong. Um, and it's, it's interesting that the water element signs are the original moksha houses. So there, there is a special energy of some sort. Maybe one day we'll pinpoint it exactly, but I guess it is the water element. And they say that it's, it's got a, um, a certain intelligence to it. You know, like Bruce Lee said, be like water, my friend. Well, so. and also um, our planet is mostly water. Our bodies are mostly water. What is the one thing that we can not live without? Water. We can live without food, but we can't live without water because it maintains and nourishes all of our tissues. You know, our eyes are made out of water. Our organs are made out of water. You know, all the animals on the planet drink water. There's not one thing existing, plant or animal, that does not take water in as a form of sustenance or nurturing. Yeah. So another thing that I thought was really funny um, was the tree uh, associated with Ashleisha is Nagchampa. And when you think Nagchampa, maybe you're like me and you think Nagchampa incense. That's right. Nagchampa is related to that. And, and that was also brought over in the 60s with the hippies from India. <laughs> you know, it, it all comes back full circle. And, and what is that tree that they call the Nakshampa? It's plumeria. Mm. And it attracts the snakes. Oh, That's wow. why they call it Nagchampa. Because the Nagas just love it. Naga, N-A-G-A-S. Nagas, those. right. And, and Naga, Naga Champa. And a Champa is a flower. So they call it the flower of the Nagas. So it's a quite beautiful uh, symbiotic relationship when you think about it. So maybe as a remedy for, you know, this energy, if you're feeling kind of like, ugh, I don't like this energy. Cancer is not a good planet for me. Burn some Naga Champa. Yeah. change that energy up you know it's also a really good time to do a detox under a cancer ashlesha uh energy why because it's related to poisons and removing the poisons from your body mm. so if you've been really wanting to do a detox this is the time initiate that time and remove those poisons during this transit or when the moon transits Ashlesha. If you don't know that, you can always reach out to us or reach out to your astrologer and ask them, when is the moon going to be transiting Ashlesha? And that's when you start your detox. It doesn't have to be a big giant detox. Maybe you just decide to stop drinking. That's another relationship to this nakshatra because drinking is a, an addiction to replacing nourishment with a poison. So if you want to remove that poison from your life and you want to remove that and change it up and bring it into something more healthy, that's also all related to this cancer energy because it's a liquid, but it's not necessarily a good liquid for you. Maybe in moderation, the alcohol is good, but... It's a, actually, it's, a, it's also a great way of saying uh, 
it's not the poison, it's the dose. Right. right. And so, you know, most people who I barely know, I mean, I do this, but I, if I'm drinking, I'll have one to two beers. If I'm out, you know, on a Friday night, we go to a, a brewery or something, that's what I'll do. Not 10, <laughs> not uh, that plus three shots, you know, for whatever reason, uh, we were in a culture that likes to go there with alcohol. And for why, I don't know, it's the the taste that we uh, like and it, the consequences we get, I guess we don't care for. Well, I uh, think of it um, just from my experience in, in observing people and, you know, not drinking alcohol for a long time. When I first uh, started practicing yoga, I went full force, like no alcohol, nothing. It's just going to be me and yoga all the time. And I observed how people behave with alcohol. It's because they don't want to acknowledge their emotions and they feel like, oh, I can relax if I have some alcohol. Yeah, that's great. Relax, have a glass of wine, have a little bit of alcohol just to make you feel good. Why does it make you feel good? Because alcohol is what we call in Ayurveda, sukshma. It's very minute. So it can open you up. That's why you feel opened up when you're ingesting alcohol because it's going to all of the most subtle channels and busting them wide open. That's why you might feel like, oh, I don't know what happened because you've reached a point where you maxed out on the poison. You just need a tiny drop. It's the same thing with the snakes. You know, they have their venom, but there's an anti-venom. Hmm. So you, you go through these experiences and, Very you know, interesting. Yeah. when you think about it, you know, just a little bit might be all that you need. And, you know, these Ashlesha people, their specialty is dealing with these poisons. So, you know, if you have a doctor and maybe you have a good relationship with them and maybe you're like starting to get interested in astrology, maybe you can ask them if you can look at their chart. And I guarantee they might have some planets in Ashlesha, especially if they're like a toxicologist mm. or they're a poison control specialist. Right. These people are the Ashlesha people. Yeah, for sure. Well said. Yeah. Um, and I, I don't know if I mentioned, but we will have the full moon occurring July 23rd. We had our new moon on July 9th. So it's coming up here in about 11 days or so. Um, and this will be a, a Cancer Capricorn uh, full moon access activation with sun being in Cancer and then Cap or, uh, moon being in Capricorn. Um, if we really want to uh, give, we'll give you the details now. The the sun will be in Pushya at seven degrees, and moon will be in Uttarashada at seven degrees. Um, and so, there we have it, guys. Uh, a lot of Cancer Capricorn, right? And yeah, this is a good time to really uh, explore all of these energies. You know, maybe if you've been curious about yoga, if you've been curious about Ayurveda, herbs, poisons. I mean, we don't endorse the use of drugs in a destructive way. But if you have friends that you can trust, uh, maybe you guys can experience different um, chemical compounds or herbal compounds together in this transit and see if you have you know, an opening or an awakening or, you know, maybe just do a, a little bit of something new that you haven't done to alter your consciousness. That can even just be meditation. 
that could even just be closing your eyes and laying on the floor and listening to some really cool like shamanic drums or something like that something to take you into that seventh chakra higher energy and um maybe the last thing i want to mention that i think is really important with this cancer energy is intuition and psychic abilities we all have it it's not just for people that are doing it for a living we all have this intuition you might have heard trust your gut that's what this is get in your intuition and just give yourself a moment before you make a decision and pause and think to yourself is that really what i want to do and go with your instincts if your instincts say no your instincts will not let you down indeed so this is our july episode please guys check out our websites if you haven't give us some feedback we'd love to hear from you uh it's great to know what you guys think it's great to have uh others that are willing to share information with us and perhaps we'll foresee a bigger grander future in the world in the universe of astrology uh this is solar and lunar mysticism once again giving you uh just a little peek of what life's like as an astrologer as always take care peace